0: Welcome to the Pestle, hosted by my daddy and weird Uncle Wes. Let's start the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Pestle. I am dying right now. Oh my god. Today's episode is brought to you by Helsham Boarding School, delivering grade A kids since 1922. How's it going, everybody?
0: My name is Wes, and I'm Daddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How did you, when did you get him to do that? You know what? We were playing around in this room a few days ago. and he, That's my son, by the way, everybody. And he was looking at the mic because we have the mic set up in the study. And he was started trying to talk into it. And I was like, no, we can actually set it up. And so I walked him through setting up the Zoom and connecting the XLRs yeah, and getting it all set up. And then I just started recording he didn't know what to say, so I was like, you know what? We can do an intro. And I just started feeding him the lines. Oh, my God.
0: That, was the, oh, that made my day. Thank you. You're absolutely welcome. I want that as my ringtone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You should have heard the second take. It was all red
1: lines. Oh, he yeah. He really got into it, and everything suddenly became, how loudly can I do this? <laughs> While also turning up the knob oh, to 10 to, to 11. Right, like, right yeah. of
0: course. Oh, my gosh. That's so Awesome.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Pestle, where we like to maybe take two slightly different approaches. I kind of like to break movies apart and
0: see everything from a filmmaker standpoint. And I like to um, just kind of enjoy the film for what it is in the moment and, and you know, maybe dissect it a little bit, uh, go into a little bit of detail, but mostly just in, enjoy the film as is and then learn from Wes as we talk through it, you know, about <laughs> or, the technical stuff.
1: Or unlearn, maybe I'm or just saying completely yeah. stupid stuff that some of you guys out there are like, Wes does not know what he's doing. Mm, and nice. so that's fine. You can note it just do it politely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the internet knows how to do that. That's a good point. Yeah. And so we always like to give a spoiler warning. Uh, Today we're talking about Transformers newest movie, the last night that's with a K K (laughs) can Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so if you haven't seen it or you really, really care about this franchise and you don't want any spoilers, maybe press pause until you've seen it and come back to it later. Or if you just don't care, proceed anyway. Yeah, apparently that's something people like to do Um, in today's episode. We're going to talk about the extremes of Transformers, and I'll define that a little bit more in a minute. Um, We'll talk about acting. In a bad movie. (laughs) Second spoiler alert. Lay it right out. We're going to let you know. You gave the spoiler alert first and then, yeah. okay. The real spoiler is that there's really nothing to spoil in this movie. pretty much. Uh, We'll touch on the effects as well as respecting the audience and the world of your film Mm. um, and a lot more.
0: Yeah, awesome. Uh, So let's give a little synopsis about the film. So uh, at this point, the Autobots and the Decepticons are at war as they always are. Um, uh, They're at war with humans um, on the sidelines, and Optimus Prime is gone. Um, He's not on Earth. And the key to saving our future lies buried in the secrets of the past, in the hidden history of Transformers here on Earth. It's directed by michael bay obviously uh if you've seen the trailer or anything about it um and it's starring mark Wahlberg as cade anthony hopkins as sir edmund burton uh josh Dumel as colonel william lennox stanley tucci is in it and john tuturo
1: and laura haddock playing the
0: love interest sorry i forgot to
1: Uh, add that that's right it started as a legend One of the greatest of all.
0: thousand years we've kept it hidden. To protect Earth from what was destined to arrive.
1: Optimus Prime. You destroyed your home. Do you
0: seek redemption? daughter, what would you say to her? Brush your teeth, work hard. Stay away from any boy in a band, especially a drummer. These are troubled times. Without leaders, chaos reigns. Two worlds colliding. You're all that stand in its way the greatest mission of them all to turn the tide of human history. Alright, that's about as much as I can take. Yeah, that was, that was pretty long. Jeez. Uh, so, okay. walking out, how did you feel? It felt like every other Transformers movie that you ever watched uh, watered down um, to like the uh, the, (laughs) to, to, to where there's no sustenance. There's, there's barely any story at all. Um, the acting is, 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 is lukewarm at best. I mean, I I like Mark Wahlberg in this film. I like him in pretty much everything he does. He's, he's a good actor. Um, I wouldn't say he's a great actor, but he's like, he's an actor that like, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get usually in, in the film. Um, but then he, every now and then he has some standout films like, uh, I think you're going to mention this later, but like, uh, Lone Survivor, which is uh, one of my favorite war films, I think is fantastic. Um, but it just, he was the best part of the film and, and even him, it was just like, you, you, you can't act your way out of a bad movie. You know, you have, you have, um, all these other actors that are just kind of like thrown in there, um, loosey-goosey like here's a scene with this guy to introduce this character whom we're not going to come back to for 20 minutes 30 minutes and then maybe you'll remember them and for one shot and then we're going to leave and come back and leave and come back Uh, it just it doesn't develop any stories any characters it introduces like uh, the young girl it introduces her in the beginning um and And you get to know that, okay, she knows how to fix transformers, but then they leave, and they don 't like go back to her she never she doesn 't really do anything in the film. One, why was she introduced in the first place uh, two why wasn 't she used because I thought maybe she could you know like like be a part of this story, uh, but she wasn 't she was just like an, an added character. It just pretty much across the board uh, i mean the cgi wasn 't as good as the as the others i mean the first transformers the you remember that like seeing the first transformers Mm -hmm. it was just like 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 okay maybe the story because michael bay isn't the best at at developing the story in in at least these movies um he is at some in some of the other movies he's done he's a good director but uh but this one is even is just is just bland. I don't I don't I'm trying to think of some like better way to put it, but it's just <laughs> bland. And I and it's almost 3 hours long. God. I mean, we we talked about it when we left. They could have cut an hour out of that film and wouldn't have lost anything. They would have gained. It would have been a much better movie. Still would have been crap, but it would have been a much better movie.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I, <laughs> I agree with almost everything you just said. Yeah. Um and Maybe even everything based on the actual technical verbiage. Um, Which I have none of. (laughs) But, yeah, and what's funny is that I think Michael Bay gets a lot of schlock for being a bad director. That's kind of this punchline at this point. But he's not a bad director. Right. He, I mean, he makes pop culture movies, but there's nothing wrong with a pop song. There's nothing wrong with Katy Perry um, making a good dance song or a good jam or whatever there's a place for pop madonna is a pop artist and her early work is you know fantastic uh so there's nothing wrong with making a pop movie and he's done that with bad boys one and two armageddon um maybe not quite pain and gain but i thought pain and gain was a really interesting and screwed up movie um but he knows how to create a great movie and obviously he knows visuals he knows he has a very strong visual style he's capable and that's what drives me nuts you know with this film and with most of the series i mean the first one was really fun spectacle event um with some with some good moments and there's still hokey moments here and there but I, it didn't take away too hard from me enjoying the rest of the film um i hated the second one the third one i actually enjoyed it it got a little bit darker and had a stronger through line but then you get to this and i just got the feeling that the creators Michael Bay and the writing team like they have contempt for this world and the material that they have to create and go off of and it sucks because you can make a movie aimed at a younger demographic and still make something amazing. Pixar does it every time they go out and make a movie.
0: That is how to tell a story. Right. That's how to make you you make a movie with a story first. And then you build everything around that. They're they're doing the exact opposite with Transformers.
1: Absolutely. They put together the most bare minimum of a skeleton of a story and then said, we're going to feather out everything in between. We need to introduce this old archaic element that makes absolutely no sense. But if you build it right, maybe you can get us to buy in. Before I get too deep, there's one moment at the very beginning of the movie that makes a reference to Boys in the Hood that's very on the sly and it felt like oh in another movie i probably would have loved it but because of how bad this movie is i just hated it um, at the very beginning these kids get off a bus or whatever and they say y'all want to see some dead robots which is a callback to boys in the hood at the beginning where they go and look at a dead body uh and so i was like oh man that's it feels wrong right now because i already feel the lack of creativity <laughs> Like, y'all already gave up. Oh, yeah. We're in the opening scene, and y'all have already just shown all your cards. You're like, yeah, we don't really care. Um, Because this movie operates in extremes only. It's either not taking itself seriously at all. You have these unnaturally dumb responses to every single moment, whether it's robots falling apart or making the most obvious and flat jokes possible with absolutely no setup or payoff. Um, and the setups and payoffs that they do introduce in this film are just a mile away. You can see them coming. The whole love setup where you have Marky Mark getting advice from his daughter. You need to find a girlfriend. Or you have Laura Haddock, his love interest, effectively, on the opposite side where we cut to her. The very first time we see her, she's playing polo. So now it's like, oh, she's athletic and you know she's, she's sporty. But she's also playing polo, so she's rich. And I get there to try and... It, minimize the level well they should have been trying to minimize the level exposition so they go from that to showing her in her job which is as some kind of historical or museum tour guide and then they the next time we see her she's around her family and they're all telling her she needs a man and so we have these super obvious you need a man well you he needs a girlfriend Oh, light bulb. Oh,
0: yeah, next scene, they're together in the same room. I wonder what's going to happen. Ooh. I think they're going to kiss before the end of the movie. Tell me more. Tell me more. And yeah. so it's just,
1: it's always operating in these super, it never takes itself seriously, especially with the humor. The humor is just nonstop, bottom level, what's the most obvious and quick route to a punchline that we can get let's just
0: do that and move on to the next scene you know i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to i wanted to address this there one of the opening scenes is is this epic battle scene right back in the dark ages i think that might be the first thing that we see right That's true. it's the first thing that that we're introduced with and i'm like okay this is kind of cool right I actually liked it, and it was it was intense. You didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, you kind of assumed what was going to happen, but you didn't. You hadn't seen it coming yet. Uh, and they, they get to, th- and then they cut to Merlin, and he's and and he's drunk, and he's like, oh, one one last week. It just like he they they go straight to the humor instead of letting this 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 tense moment of this battle that the Knights of the Round Table are going to lose. Uh, just hold like if they could just hold on that and and forget about the humor you don 't need the humor yet, like the comic relief is best when it 's placed sparingly and in good timing and th- there 's no timing with any of this it's and uh, let me also say to everyone out there we don 't enjoy tearing apart movies no okay like this is the last thing that we want to do is just is like let's let's just watch a movie to tear it apart no we wanted to watch this movie because there are aspects of transformers that we both like um but not, none of them happened in this film. Um, and we know that hundreds of people worked on this film and, they, and they, they, they worked very hard. And so we're not tearing the people apart. We're tearing the final product apart um, because it, it doesn't do justice to the good aspects of the other films. Um, but the, anyway, that being said, I thought that I agree with you totally about the comic relief. It just It was poorly placed and placed too many places. Way too, yeah. And it just, and that's just
1: frustrating every time you're like, well, it felt like a distraction from trying to actually create story, which that's this entire movie in a nutshell, is let's distract you from the fact that there is no story. And so they're constantly on these two extremes. So that first extreme is it doesn't take itself seriously. And the other extreme of that is it's the most important moment ever. Right. It's so dramatic, whether you're talking about the dramatic camera movement or the dramatic music, um, or you have these ungrounded, you know, there's just dramatic coloring and styling all over the place. Um, But they use in these dramatic moments that are just so over the top that everything is riding on this moment from beginning to end. It's this way. Literally every scene you could I'd draw down the, the middle and say, yeah, this is either going to be this moment in specific. Is it going to be one or the other? Um, the obvious dialogue, it's so direct and it's more like a TV or a sitcom, right, yes. wh- which makes sense in TV. You have a shorter time span, especially in a 30 minute sitcom. And so everyone's announcing their feelings all the time. Joey, I'm so mad at you. You know, you walked in while I was in the shower. Yeah, you know, they they constantly explain the situation to one another. They're very out loud and outspoken about their feelings about any given situation. That's a sitcom thing, and that's all they're doing in this movie the entire time is explaining the situation, which is minimum. But they constantly explain to the new person, "Oh, we need this staff because it's going to." be the be our demise or our salvation. So we have to have it. Um, you're the chosen one. They keep having all these, and it's so absurd to say it aloud. And that's how absurd it is to hear it in the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's so frustrating. Um, but then what's really frustrating too about the story is they fake intelligence constantly throughout this film. There's just scientific word salad,
0: mumbo jumbo, um, the scientist they bring in yeah he, he's he's part of he's one of the the reasons I, I mentioned uh hey let's introduce this character and just come back to him one like give him one shot every 15 minutes or so right. to remind you that he's there and that oh yeah the the scientist is still there telling everybody he knows exactly what to do it, and it just, felt like
1: they were deriding science yeah. It, throughout yeah, the movie they weren't
0: doing science justice. No, and it's
1: frustrating because they seem to think that if you quote Arthur C. Clarke, you get to pass yourself off yeah. as
0: being scientific. Right, right. <laughs> like, and and you got to be an angry scientist cuz no one will listen to you ever. In any movie, no one will ever listen to the scientist, so he has to be angry. And it's that's and that's at Would the you,
1: heart of it. The whole premise of this film is the planet I don't know, whatever it's called, Transformer Planet, Mm. the robot planet, is coming, apparently... Cybertron? Cybertron, thank you. um, Is coming to take Earth's energy. It's technically, they said that they're transferring the geothermal energy from the Earth's core to heal the robot planet. And using the Arthur C. Clarke, which is any science that's uh, sufficiently i didn't i didn't write it down but any super advanced science to the unknowing looks like magic is the the hardest statement yeah um and that's their way of writing off everything that happens thereafter that oh well of course we don't understand it to us it just looks like magic what does the earth's geothermal energy from the core have to do with anything couldn't you just go to a sun? You can go to a star and get that. Yeah. They didn't have to travel across a galaxy or wherever the heck Cybertron is, which they got here pretty quick, by the way, and picked up Optimus on the route, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, they were on their way already. Apparently. I don't
1: know. (laughs) But, and so you have an absolutely absurd premise, but everything's hokey and crude. It's lacking wit or cleverness. And with the robots, they assign way too much... uh, human characteristics for alien robots and I get that they're trying to emulate the cartoon but to me you're either going to emulate their personality or you're going to emulate their their look by doing both we don't really recognize what the heck is going on here um, yeah. you're definitely crossing into the uncanny valley territory where the human characteristics physically are too close for me to really Identify with it because it's a robot that looks a lot of, like a human. I don't really always know where to look. Where's its nose? Where's its mouth? All the coloring, all the metal begins to get lost. Whereas if they stuck with the original Optimus, right? He has that face guard, which is the yeah. The, yeah. the truck grill. Yeah, Leave that there. Now you have an ability to kind of hide some of the effects because it's part of their disguise. They're Transformers, yeah. they're robots in disguise. Yeah. Leave that disguise up in some degree. And then you get a little leeway from the audience because we're not trying to identify with them as humans. We're identifying with them as characters.
0: Right. And, you know, interesting that you say, um, identify with them as humans, because I found that I identified, I didn't identify at all with Optimus in this movie, which was surprising because the other movies I did. Mm -hmm. And when he would have his moments of like, you know, he'd have his, his rally speech at the end, because they'd always, they'd always be close to losing, and then he'd come, come roaring back, and then they'd win, but only because Optimus knew exactly what to say at the right time. Um, I'm a sucker with buying stuff like that. I really am. I, I mean, like, I wait for that stuff to happen, <laughs> uh, and I was waiting for it to happen here, and it did, and it was flat. It it completely flat. Like, in the other movies, I was inspired. I was like, you go, Optimus, and I was able to relate with him, um, if not the rest of the movie, at least in that moment, you know, uh, uh, just because I relate to, to like, you know, having a hardship and pushing through. But this time it was, it, it, it was comical. I think I might have giggled in the theater out loud at the movie. At the movie. And that, <laughs> not with the movie. Right. Like, yeah, all of this funny stuff going on. "Quote unquote," funny stuff like uh, comic relief going on, where you know the the robots are just making jokes left and right, I'm not laughing at all. But the moment it's supposed to get serious, with Optimus making that speech, and I'm laughing, like that's just bad writing. You can't make a good movie with bad writing.
1: No, and I learned this a while ago. So I used to think, oh, it's a bad movie. I'm going to blame the script writers. And what I found out through I followed these uh, two screen screenwriters, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio have their own website where they talk about screenwriting. They had these private forums, um, a lot of amazing information. And what they made obvious was that. a Bad movie, blame the director, the director gets all the fel- all the fall, because at the end of the day, if he doesn't like something in the script, he gets to change it. Now, maybe he's not going to write it. But he he needs to go back to a screenwriters and say, this isn't working, how can we readjust? Mm-hmm. How can we modify
0: that? Interesting, and, okay.
1: Yeah, and so that's why as whenever I'm directing, I take my my part very seriously because I'm also going to wear that badge. If, some, if this movie doesn't work, I'm not going to point at anybody else. I'm going to say this is my bad because I'm directing this thing. Yeah. And so whether you want to call Akiva Goldsman out or not, I don't know, but I... I I think you have to say Michael Bay
0: didn't demand more of his story. So you're saying I, I can blame him for that too? Oh yeah, sweet, <laughs> sweet. I just I, yeah, I just Michael. I'm sure you're listening to this right now, right? <laughs> As everyone and, in Hollywood. And I, is. I, you know, let's let's just let's just tell you. I just want to tell you, man. You're you are a very good director. You just did a crappy job on this movie. And it sucks because if you respect this world
1: and you go into it saying, man, there's, there's gold in here. How can, we, how can we do it fresh and anew? Then there's so much material to explore. I mean, the cartoons had a lot of episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no room. There's no, there's no exit strategy for good material because, I mean, look at The Simpsons. There, there's at, at this point, there might be more Simpsons episodes than Stars in the Sky. <laughs> I mean, they, they just keep mining and finding interesting things to talk about and to discuss. And with a good movie, if you can find a great theme, whether you're looking at politics or culture or society or just a time period that you want to re explore, you could go back and say, in this film we're exploring the last night, let's explore feudalism. What did it look like? How is it still in operation today? And how can we expose that with Transformers playing the role of maybe now they're the the lords and humans have become the serfs? Like there's all kinds of interesting things you could do that they chose to not even think about. Mm. The story really became so boilerplate that everything became a distraction from the story. The dramatic moments, the dramatic music, the comedy was all a distraction to say, we really don't have any story despite being over two and a half, two forty-five, 245, whatever it is, um, long. And that's astounding that you can still try to watch. And this, and this comes to the next frustrating point, which is you have a movie that you're trying to sell on spectacle, which is all rooted in effects and you do a less than stellar job in the
0: effects. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What the hell, man? I don't... Yeah, that's like the one redeeming quality that you could that you could save this movie with is amazing effects.
1: And I'll get super nitpicky just for one second. Something that nobody else in my theater Ooh, probably picked out. Okay, okay. That to me, it was like, what are you guys doing right now? At the beginning, that scene with Merlin finding the ancient robots or whatever yes. um, They, I'm guessing they did some compositing some sky replacement in that scene because there's this white halo around Merlin I totally noticed that and it's not intentional that's the thing that I picked up on was they're doing this it feels like out of laziness then it than creating anything interesting about Merlin. I mean, maybe you could make the argument, and I'm sure they did to themselves, that, well, yeah, we're kind of creating this aura about Merlin. But you can't do that after you just showed Merlin being a complete fall-over drunk. I know. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. You're not being consistent with your character building at that point. So, no, there's no aura about him. He's a drunk who stumbled on the robots. Fine. But don't try to cover up your crappy compositing just because you you <laughs> you think it plays a story it doesn't
0: yes, so there was one aspect uh first off to that um to back to your effects really fast uh you should go back i want everyone who's listening to go back and watch the trailer for the first transformers and then well i'm assuming that you've already watched the the newest transformers because you're listening to this right. and you don't like spoilers right (laughs) right right uh so now i want you to go back and watch the trailer for the first transformers the effects are awesome really they're fantastic it holds up they're really really good it's the first time you ever see one of them you know a transformer transform It's like bumblebee i think might be the first one and and it looks really good it looks really real and awesome and they got lazy in this one uh None of the transformers look real at, or at all. They look completely fake. Yeah. Anyway, so back to my point that I wanted to make one a little little story that they didn't that they introduced, but they didn't really take advantage of was uh, Bumblebee's backstory. Hmm. When they first introduced Bumblebee's backstory, where he where Anthony Hopkins says that he was he was violent during in World War II. Remember, right? He was violent in in this battle with the Nazis, to where like nobody, like every everyone knew he would mess you up. Like like he will win. You know he will destroy everything. That caught that like like because I love Bumblebee. Yeah. You know he's, yeah. he's 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 the he's the one Transformer that they just cannot get rid of. You can get rid of Optim- Optimus Prime, but you got to have Bumblebee in the movie because uh, everybody just loves B. Um. So so they introduce this aspect of him that you hadn't seen before. This like like aggressive, angry bumblebee, but it was called something else at the time. And then they they do bring it back and a little bit later on, and they say we need you to be that that bumblebee that you mm-hmm. were back then. But it's just a moment. It's not, and nothing really happens. He he does the the little thing he needed to do. Um in that moment, but it wasn't like a, like the thing, you know, he didn't save the world. It would have been so much better if it was B who saved everything because he just like, like, you know, um, captured that inner old bumblebee that was just violent and like destroyed everything. And that would be, go back to
1: kind of the heart of transformers, which is these robots defending earth. Right. From the Decepticons. Yeah. Oh, and that, that plays a lot stronger into that, particularly if you have Optimus Prime on the other side of that.
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, B was fighting Optimus at mm-hmm. the time, but Optimus was to destroy him. I mean, there's absolutely, no yeah. way. But yeah. I wanted B to, like, find an extra gear, to, for lack of a better term. You know, <laughs> a little pun there. <whop, whop. Um, uh, and, and, you know, yeah. in that scene...
1: That's was the worst of the effects offense uh, for me because you have Ma- Mark Wahlberg, um, Cade, yeah. fighting with them, right? Yeah, He's, he's like, rolling around with them, and the compositing is bad or the green screening, something, either the coloring, they did not blend it whatsoever. And I think part of that goes back to your point about the Transformers themselves not looking realistic because if they do then it's a lot easier to sell a human against them and interacting with them right? Right. because you have two realistic things now interacting but it was terrible it was just so bad and then I get really frustrated um, or I guess I get pulled out of a story whenever I see six foot human rumbling
0: around with you know 40 foot robots yeah there's one point he climbs on top of Optimus Wahlberg climbs on top of Optimus while B and Optimus are fighting, and Optimus is laying on the ground. W- one, op- like Optimus, even laying on the ground for you to climb on his chest is like a thirty-foot climb or something. It's ridiculous. There's no way. Two, like you can, you get thrown around like a rag doll, but you're hitting metal. Like right. it, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. If they, if he brushes it, him aside, that's contusions and full
1: body you know yeah he's he's done absolutely in
0: that scene particular it's probably it's probably really hard i would imagine to composite as as much like wide uh screen filming as they did as they made Mm -hmm. so like in something like that if i was directing if i was directing (laughs) it something like that i'd I would use the power of the closer of the of like the the mid to close up mm, shot. Yeah. you have less to composite, and what you do uh, have in the shot, you can probably make. Yeah, like actually make physically. Um, but most of that was all wide, like wide shots of like this the the big the big uh, ship that they're on, and he just wants. It's like Michael Bay just wants to show the grandiose ofness of it. But the entire time keeps going back to these wide shots instead of like being up close with them. And the transformers themselves don't look like they look like
1: they're emitting light, which to some extent I understand makes sense because they're metallic; they're going to be highly reflective. But it feels so unnatural. I I think if you matte it a little bit more, then blending all that together with not only the uh, with Mark Wahlberg crawling around, but them on the ship or on the ground or what have you. It plays a little bit nicer because they're so reflective that it feels like they're emitting light, and I'm not seeing any of that reflected onto Mark Wahlberg or and the scene around them. And so maybe just flattening some of this color that's popping, some of the saturation, or yeah, I mean um, they're, the they're hundreds
0: of years old too. They're not going to be so shiny, uh, right? I, I mean, look, you know, I'm sitting here talking about this like I, I do not know how to do any of that. Right. But if I was getting paid on a hundred, two $200 million budget film, I better know how to do it and do it well. Absolutely. And, but you know what? I think this still goes back to
1: Michael Bay because. Yeah, of course. These, so that, yeah. these guys probably either one um, didn't get as much of a say so in the pre production planning. So that as you're working alongside these guys, they already, before they even. Started rolling cameras they already knew when this movie was going to get released, right? That's how a lot of pro- big budget productions happen right now. They can tell you three years down the road. Oh, we're going to have this movie released at this time. We probably need to get a script, right? That's how far ahead they plan this stuff. And so if you're not bringing in your visual effects team to help you work with the the DP and work with your director so that you can plan to build these sets out or you can say here's what we need to do let's shot list this what shots are we going to be working on okay now we can go ahead and start building this but what happens a lot of times is they start playing fast and loose on set and they're saying oh i know we said that we wanted this but now this shot in the moment feels right and i understand that impulse right once you get on set things can change a little bit and you want to you want to go where the story is taking you Theoretically (laughs) (laughs) you crazy. (laughs) but when you're working with someone who's highly visual, like Michael Bay, he might see things on set. Oh, the sun is operating from this angle. We need to get this shot. So here's how we're going to position everything, which is completely against everything we had planned for. Right. That also means you need to give your, your post-production house that much more time to operate on this stuff. And these guys are operating under budget and overworked and on too short a time span to actually finish some of these effects, there's probably another good four or five rounds of of polish that they could have done, whether it's uh, texturing, adding all these extra uh, textures on top, or just compositing. All these things are such a time consuming and heavy process that if you don't respect it or at least plan ahead of time to give them X amount of time, because there's reviews they go through, they'll send a shot back to, to Michael Bay and they're thinking, oh, okay, we're close from here. We can already start working on this. And maybe he comes back and says, Oh, actually me and the producers have notes where we're thinking f- instead of picking him up there, can he land on his shoulder instead of his stomach? And it's like, well, Jiminy crickets, man, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, that to you, it might look, Oh, well yeah, you're just repositioning a guy, but to the effects house, you just completely changed all the physics of the scene, and now right. they got to not necessarily start from scratch, but almost
0: pretty much, yeah.
1: And so it's frustrating because I'm also trying to think positively about the the guys on the ground because I've done a small amount of animation and. I get, I'm super slow. Like, don't hire me to do your animation unless you want it six months from now.
0: (laughs) But noted, I get it. I get how you don't sell yourself. Well,
1: I I really don't. I'm the worst at selling myself, (laughs) but it's so frustrating with, uh, on top of that, if you're not getting the best green screen or the best lighting, because the lighting that you have in setting up your, your green screen. So if you're shooting Mark Wahlberg, And you have this nice, soft, even light. That's not going to emulate very well if you have this sunset, hard shadow situation happening. And now we may not pick up on exactly the disparity, but our eye is trained in reality. Yeah. So we know if something doesn't fit right, we may not be able to point it out. But we're seeing, oh, soft lighting in the middle of a sunset, hard light, long shadows this isn't playing and I don't understand why that it just looks bad. That's just the short fuse that we have inside our heads. Um, so there was just a, a ton of things and you know what I think I picked up on. Um, and this is just totally me projecting at this point. Um, well
0: this whole, go for <laughs> it. That's, that's all we, is me projecting. That's all, yeah. <laughs> but that's I, you get paid for, <laughs> wait, we're getting <laughs> paid, right? Yeah. Checks in the mail. You got in the check. Okay, yep. cool. Awesome. <laughs> the
1: little medallion that, Mark Wahlberg has that I guess singled him out as the chosen one. I think they're kind of making this inside joke amongst themselves. It wraps around his arm and it's like a tribal tattoo. I think they're internally, this isn't one for the audience. I think this is one for the filmmakers. Oh, we're going to give him a tribal tat. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think
0: they you were. Think that?
1: Yeah. I think they were making these internal fun and I, I don't have a problem with that per se. Like I think filmmaking, that's a fun thing you can do whether you're incorporating license plates from your childhood or whatever. Yeah. There's fun things, but I feel like that was probably a thing like, Oh, we're going to give them a tribal tat. Um, (laughs) but even going back to your point about the acting, I think it's tough, man, because I honestly think everyone showed up. I don't have a problem with anyone's performance because I think they gave exactly what the director wanted and what the script was calling for. Um, the worst performance to me was John Turturro and Stanley Tucci. Yes. Um, Tucci was, playing Merlin. Yeah. Um, because it's so cartoony, but there's no way you're ever going to convince me those two guys are incapable ever. Those are, to me anyway, those are titans. Like Tucci is incredible. So I have no doubt that they were just giving the director exactly what he wanted and i cannot fault any of those guys anthony hopkins did a fantastic job like that's a good point yeah he did he showed up like a mofo like i could not have been prouder for someone to put their heart out there for a for for a crappy movie (laughs) like yeah there's no i i have to believe everyone read the script and they're like
0: crap (laughs) <laughs> signed up for what but they didn't bail you know, you know what you're totally right I think nobody changed my it mind in. on that yeah well not on everybody so uh, well, I I'm going to disagree but I can't what the 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 young girl yeah What what what's her name forgot uh, her name uh, it is know. I had it 14 had year it old or 15 year old whatever I don't want to because she's only 14 years old no that's and true
1: but here's my barometer, and this is a completely subjective barometer, is would I cast them in my lead as a in a film? I would totally cast her. I thought she was fantastic. I thought she was showing up and she was putting her heart on her sleeve in those really emotional scenes. I said that a minute ago about Anthony Hopkins. He has no emotional scenes, but I thought he did did a really fantastic job she does there's a lot of scenes where she has to summon a lot of emotion, and um, I thought,
0: yeah, but summoning the emotion like it, it was it was really annoying <laughs> it was really annoying it wasn't like like uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't yeah she she captured emo- i could tell that she was emoting <laughs> uh, but, but it was not in the way that that like it just was, I'm trying to separate get it from, it the, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to separate it from the film and it's, it's really hard for me. Even if she, I'm I'm trying to even put other words in her mouth, you know, And it's just, it was, it was her facial reactions to things and, and it, yeah, and I'm stuttering because I don't want, no, I don't, it, I, you know, like I, because I think at the end of the day, it's, if it was my kid, I wouldn't want to you know somebody tearing them apart like that, you know, sure. especially they're that young, this is probably her first I mean I don't know if it's the first movie or not, but yeah. but you know, I think that she could be really good in something else i I do agree, but in this movie in particular, I just found did not
1: that's fair, and that yeah. kind of goes back to it's really hard to act in a bad movie, yeah. no matter what you're, yeah. you're you're stuck in a uh, an underdeveloped script. With terrible lines, and making that land well, especially because her role, like you said, isn't really even fleshed out very well. Right. She pops up at the beginning, a little bit in the uh, the first third of the way through, and then she kind of pops up again in the the third act for a moment, and she's supposed to have this really heartfelt bond with Squeaks, you know, her little sidekick robot, but she's playing opposite of nothing she's having to act against nothing.
0: Yeah. And that's what I mean like for a 14 year old. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. absolutely. But so then this, this begs a question. Oh, sorry. Were you going well, to add if we're going to trash any of the,
1: the kid acting that opening group I thought was subpar.
0: Like oh, I wouldn't well, cast any of those guys at the moment. Even Michael Bay only kept him in there for five minutes. Right. You know,
1: <laughs> we're so mean we're going to get so much hate mail for just great. I'm killing fine. With it. Off hey, these bad kids. press
0: is good press. Um, uh, uh. No, Okay, so then this, this leads to a really good question that I want to ask you. Um, if, if acting in a bad movie doesn't necessarily make you a bad actor, what does? Acting in a good movie poorly? Do you have to be in a good movie to be considered a bad actor? Or mm-hmm. can you be in a bad movie and be considered a bad, bad actor even if you show up and give it your 100%? Because... I'm sure that girl, that little girl, showed up and gave her hundred percent. But I see her as, sure, n- n- subpar in this film. So, what constitutes a bad actor? And do you, do you have to be in a acting poorly in a good movie?
1: No, that's that's a fair question. I would say no. Um, but which no. I would expected to hear. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I, my only real barometer is: Do I believe you right now? That's really my only real barometer. And I believed her. I just had a problem. And I guess that's my problem is I can't really quite draw the line between what she was doing versus the world that she was submitted to. <laughs> yeah, but that's not... <laughs> it hurts because I also didn't really believe Mark Wahlberg at any stage of the way. But I feel like he he showed up and he he put his... He was invested. He put his burginess in there. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah, he brought the funky bunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but this also translates for me uh, to jump actors. I also think Keanu is actually a, a good actor more often than not. Yeah. Because I can watch a movie, most of his movies, and say, I'm into the story. I'm believing everything that's happening on screen. And just because he has a, a crappy voice doesn't mean he's a crappy actor. He has a very Mm. monotone voice and that's not really his fault. That's just his freaking voice. Now, I'm not saying he's always put in excellent performances. We can look at a lot of movies. Uh, uh, The Day the Earth Stood still was a terrible movie and he delivered a terrible performance. Um, But I can also look at something like, you know, The Matrix is an easy, low-hanging fruit. And I believe him in The Matrix. I believe he's really flying around kicking everyone's ass. Um, And so that's my barometer is do I believe you Um, or,
0: and you believed the girl,
1: that's my problem. Uh, Isabella,
0: I think is her name. Do you believed her? uh, Like, like I'm serious. Like, so, so if anybody had any dramatic drop, dramatic lines in the movie, it would be her. That's true. So no, I guess I didn't, but I
1: kind of go back to Michael Bay's at fault because of, yeah. He's over dramatizing everything else around her and saying so now she looks cartoony because there's this dramatic camera, you know, push and there's this dramatic swell of music that never, ever, ever goes away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's hard for me to take anyone seriously in this film because everything is so over the top
0: yeah. all the time. Yeah. So we're ass- we're basically assessing that she's she's we think she's a good actor and she has a good potential in a in a better scripted film yeah. and would I would love, love to see her in another film just didn't, it fell flat on this one. Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Okay. Yeah.
1: I think that's fair. I just, I'm just really happy that I don't feel like a single actor phoned it in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which would have been okay. super easy to do in yeah. these circumstances. Agreed.
0: I, I agree. I agree with that because change my mind.
1: Yeah. And so I think it's just really hard anytime you're, you're, you have a bad script and there's a lot of times when there's a good script and just bad casting. Um, that That, happens a lot because a director or a writer comes in, they, they have a, a, a part and they're like, Oh, I want this person or I want this look for this part. And they cast the, the over the top beautiful woman instead of, you know, someone who, is a good actor and maybe has an extra five pounds, like right? What are we doing here? Or the same thing with guys? Let's cast the hunk instead of casting someone who's an actual uh, who's
0: a better actor or better for this part. Yeah, well, I mean that's part of the problem with these Transformers movies, right? They only make them for money.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like they're
0: not—they're obviously not making it to tell a story. No. No, and that's so frustrating for us filmmakers, you know, to and look as somebody at. As someone who grew up watching Transformers, yeah. you want to love this. I go into the, to these movies and I'm like, I, I hope this is good. I hope this is good. It's not. It's just. It's not. It's <laughs> it.
1: because. And so, I mean, Mark Wahlberg, um, like you said earlier, Lone Survivor, great movie, great performance. But this guy has given phenomenal performances in phenomenal movies think about The Departed um, mm-hmm. The Fighter and oh, Three yeah. Kings I mean those two last two are are uh, David O Russell movies that I don't know how much nominations or Oscar attention Three Kings got but I know The Fighter, the fighter, fighter. yeah kicked ass yeah. um and The Departed Scorsese you're going to tell me Scorsese is going to bring in uh, a terrible actor no yeah. um, he's done Paul Thomas Anderson movies yeah. uh Boogie Nights and so he's a phenomenal actor and so, but I thought this, if anything, honestly, I felt like he was the worst actor in the movie. Interesting. I know. Right. We have polar opposite opinions on yeah, that. Yeah, um, I don't blame him because I know that he is more than capable. Yeah. I completely blame the creators, um, whoever Bay wants to shuffle off blame to, And maybe nobody. Maybe he's happy because this is killing in the box office. Maybe that's his is only it? barometer. Probably. I don't even want to look. It's going to discourage me. I'll pull up the numbers, right, freaking now. Okay. Box office, no joke, people.
0: I don't. I don't think that it is. I think it's probably doing rough. But there's going to be another one. Don't you worry, folks. (laughs) Yeah, they made sure to. They made sure to let us all know that there's going to be another one. Um, This thing has over 105 million.
1: Yeah. But the budget
0: was two hundred seventeen million.
1: So it's got one hundred eleven domestic, okay, and two hundred five. And so yeah, they might feel like it's underperforming, which I hope they do, and either reboot it in ten years, or let someone else take it. Man, there's all kinds of up and coming directors that would love
0: an opportunity to play in this world. Yeah, I mean, this world could be treated a little bit more like the first Superman. That first recent Superman that came mm-hmm. out, like kind of the the darker side a little bit, uh, and and I'm not crazy about that film. I don't like like that film, but like the idea behind it, the darkness, the realness behind it, is what I yeah I like.
1: And if they wanted to really explore some of this historical garbage that they threw in, um, you could tell an Iron Giant kind of story where you have a, a boy who befriends Bumblebee. And that's the entire movie is them together. Yeah. Like there's no reason you can't get personal and intimate just because you have a big special effect. That's that's absurd. You know who I really like though? Uh, Outside of Anthony Hopkins, who I thought was actually really uh, terrific, um, Laura Haddock, uh, the love interest, which I still don't remember her name. Yeah. She, you know, she plays Quill's mom, right? In the Guardians Mm -hmm. movies. What? Yeah. That's Quill's mom. Um, and she, I mean, they're just, Oh, wow. Bit roles I guess. But, uh, she's also in the in which you probably have never seen. I have not. Um, British TV series that made a couple of movies.
0: Oh yes, 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 yes. It's okay. hilarious. And she's fantastic
1: yeah. in there. So I'm excited that she got such a huge platform. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I get to see her in even more films because I'd like to see her in more substantial roles that are actually written <laughs> and don't do these shortcuts around yeah. developing character. Cause this entire movie, if I'm going to sum it up, Let's is, sum it up.
0: we've been talking a while. Yeah.
1: Everything was jumping from one shoe to the other to distract you from the fact that we have absolutely no storyline. We're going to patch it together. They literally created the scavenger hunt on a map and said, we're going to go from here to here and here we're going to learn this. We're going to learn. We need, This here, we're going to learn we have this and here's where it's all going to culminate in a big grand finale. They literally did that and then filled in the blanks later. And that's so we've said it many times already, but it's really frustrating um, to disrespect your world and to waste everyone's time.
0: I, that was three hours of my. I left. I left this house with my two children screaming, "Daddy, Daddy, Daddy!" That's true. To go see this movie, uh, and crying. You're and a terrible father. I, and when I got back, my wife was like, "Yeah, they cried like that for a while." When I got back three and a half hours later, that she told me that, and I'm like, "Oh."
1: But we walked out, and we were in full hyperbole mode. I mean, talked for the next forty five minutes, just feeling it like we had just been punched in the face and made fun of um, to not utilize an audience's time well for two hours and 45 minutes. It just sucks because there's, there's a lot of story there. They just didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do the legwork. They didn't want to create. They didn't want to do what all the other films did. We saw captain underpants and it was excellent. Like it was a great kids movie and that was no way intended for us, but because they respected their audience, they said, we're not going to, we're not going to treat these people like they're stupid and they won't recognize that there absolutely is no story. We're just going to do. And this is a fun thing that I got out of uh, Q&A with Edgar Wright. Uh, I saw a baby driver and he did a Q&A afterwards via Skype. I wasn't like five feet away from him, but I have high-fived him before. Just FYI. Oh, And which <laughs> I know is super meaningful to Hooray! everyone else. Good for you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> when?
1: But he made this comment that... Uh, well, sorry, he probably didn't want to be known for making this comment, but he made a comment that there's a lot of yelling into the wind moments these days, and that's how you do your exposition. We need the blanks to, in order to stop the blank. Mm-hmm. Don't let go. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that sums up this entire movie in a nutshell. It's yes. yelling
0: exposition into the wind. You're welcome. Done. So... Go see Transformers the last night. <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. So, so
1: what's your recommendation for the week?
0: Uh, oh, I, I had oh yes, my recommendation is a Monster Calls. Nice. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, uh great storyline, amazing acting. Uh, uh, Liam Neeson is the voice of the tree monster. And, uh, the, the sound, whenever you watch this movie, turn the sound up, the sound is incredible. When we saw it together, uh, I, the first thing I said when it was over, I mean, during, I was just like, the sound is amazing. It's just incredible. Whoever did the, the effects, the sound effects just nailed it. I want to know who they are and give them a high five because they crushed it.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah, Excellent movie. That's a great recommendation. And uh, the sound is one to study. I feel like if I ever go on to do a, a bigger budget uh, special effect movie, I'm going to study that thing because the, the, the sound is so good.
0: My, it, yep. Oh, I was also going to say it, it's also, and you mentioned before, it's also a good parallel to this movie as to how to use effects and CGI in a, in a, an effective way And as opposed to just throwing it in there, throwing it in the pot, like, Oh, we're
1: going to do this and that. and So, and so my recommendation is along that same thought, thought pattern. Um, I'm recommending troll hunter. You can see it on Netflix streaming. It's a, that's probably a better example. Actually. It's great. Um, I don't know. I don't even feel like maybe the, the effects are even that, that perfect, but it, they cared enough about the story and about presentation and, and the, uh, the experience that it kind of fades away. You forgive it whenever there's a little bit more story. Um, but it's still well done. It's just, I wouldn't put it in the ballpark of, I don't know, some other, I I got nothing. (laughs) Oh, well, um, what about, uh, was it the block? attack the block attack the block oh my gosh so, which i totally want to do that film at some point yeah it's so good and so watch troll hunter i think you'll enjoy it i don't want to give anything away it's just a it's a fun movie there's subtitles but it's mostly an action movie i don't think there's all that many subtitles so yeah. if you hesitate for movies like that do it anyway <laughs> <laughs> and win so next week we are going to be doing the very new Christopher Nolan film yes dunkirk oh it's going to be amazing i can't um, wait I'm already planning to watch it twice. Yeah. I'm going to watch it in IMAX and then the Alamo Drafthouse Ritz downtown. Same show, night? Maybe. It depends. Do it. You guys <laughs> knock it out. Just dude. go back to back. Just go do it. Do it. <laughs> because they're going to show it in 70 millimeter film, which yeah, if you guys haven't picked up by now, I'm a huge film honk. I love things shot on film. I like seeing it projected on film. I think it's such a unique experience that's maybe dying away and I want to try to keep it alive. Um, so go watch Dunkirk get
0: ready we're going to talk some serious Christopher Nolan business oh yeah awesome and make sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes and also uh, leave us a note saying what you'd like us to talk about and what kinds of things that you find interesting and uh, maybe we'll address them on the next episode
1: yeah if you have any other comments you can drop them on this episode which you can find at com slash transformers the last night night with a k so the PestlePodcast.com if you get lost and by the way if you don't know by looking at your iphone the pestle is spelled p-e-s-t-l-e it's like a mortar and pestle mm-hmm. and next week i'll explain what that means
0: oh i like it yeah great well we'll leave you with a quote of the day uh it's by ava duvernay uh creativity is an energy it's a precious energy and it's something to be protected A lot of people take for granted that they, that they're a creative person, but I know from experience, feeling it in myself, it is a magic, it is an energy and it can't be taken for granted.
1: God, I love her. That's
0: wow. She's one of my idols right now. She's incredible. That's inspiring. Love it. Great. All right. We'll go watch some movies, guys. I'm Wes. I'm Todd. Peace.